Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 152nd edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 54 to 53! North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, oh, way to Worthy! Worthy five! The Star Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out foul. of timeout! Technical foul! Technical foul on Michigan! They're out of timeout! And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. Love guarded by Keels. Gets a screen. Pulls up for three. Got it. Caleb from straight away. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today, and we've got a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss. It's going to be a busy week here on the pod as we are now five days away from the season opener next Monday night at home against UNC Wilmington as the number one preseason ranked Tar Heels will start their journey, their march, hopefully back to the Final Four and back to the national championship game. They played an exhibition game last Friday. We're going to give some you know, minor thoughts and takeaways from that, and then we're going to dive into the front court, break down this front court to get you ready for the upcoming season. But before we do any of that, we start every edition, as we always do, with the pod thought of the day brought to you by DraftKings. And we go to the the godfather of college of, of, of Carolina basketball, the guy who's responsible for the way we think and feel about the program today. And that is former head coach Dean Smith. And Dean said one time, anytime a person does something hard, something which is difficult, there is a camaraderie which comes with the experience, which is hard to achieve other places. And this team did a lot of things that were very hard and very difficult last season. Winning a game at at Duke with 90 former Duke players there to send off their head coach. Winning an NCAA tournament game against Baylor in their backyard. Beating their rival on the on, on the biggest stage in the Final Four. The first ever NCAA tournament meeting between Duke and Carolina. And with that, there was a camaraderie within the team itself and then the fan base. As I mentioned often last year during the run, that, that run to the national title game reminded us why we love Carolina basketball. And I think for guys uh, like myself, we re-fell in love with with the program that has a new leader, that is going into a different era, uh, as Schubert Davis has now firmly put his stamp on the program 
and all the way across college basketball. And so um, that's a good quote from Dean and uh, is something that I think very much applies to this team. Let's talk about this exhibition game really quick. Carolina won the game against Johnson C. Smith, as you could imagine, rather easily. The final score, 101-240. Carolina allowed just 11 points in the second half to really make a game, which was pretty much over at halftime, a blowout uh, in the Smith Center. I think the most notable thing to talk about first is that four rotation players headlined by R.J. Davis did not play along with uh, Puff Johnson, Jalen Washington, and Justin McCoy, although Hubert Davis did say if this were a regular season game, R.J. Davis would have been suited and booted, and I guess you could apply the same thing to RJ, or, or to uh, Puff Johnson as well, but with that, you saw a different tandem in the backcourt. Sophomore guard DeMarco Dunn got the start in his place. But the first guy I want to really focus on here was this is our first time seeing Pete Nance in action against someone who wasn't other than his teammates. You know, we had the the live action with Carolina basketball scrimmage. And then of course that public exhibition they had back earlier uh in in over the summer early parts of fall. So this was his first time, albeit against an opponent that Carolina is more gifted, more talented than, but Pete Nance, 19 points, 8 of 13 from the field, just 1 of 5 from behind the three-point line, did grab six rebounds. What did you make of the Northwestern transfer's first Tar Heel action against someone other than his teammates? Man, I thought he looked good, man. I thought he looked like a guy that was demanding the basketball, um, that wanted to score and and showed that scoring touch that we kind of need him to show because, look, Carolina's going to need – somebody to step in and fill the points that Brady Manick leaves behind. And that's the main thing that I think you have to take away from this is the points are the important part of this. He had 19. I saw people that were, I don't know if it's complaining because, look, it's an it's an exhibition. But I saw some people that were concerned a little bit about him as a three-point shooter. Guys, can we please not overreact to an exhibition game. I mean, look, guys are going to have off-night shooting. There's no doubt about that. If you remember, there were times early last year, and there I mean, I remember even at late night, man, Brady Manick had some struggles shooting the ball early from deep. And we said, okay, well, is he is this, you know, him just settling in or whatever? I think he is going to be fine. The thing that people have to realize about Pete Nance, though, and I think he showed it again the other night, his strength is going to be playing inside. This is going to look a little bit more like what we saw under Roy Williams. But at the same time, he can step out and hit those shots. So I I, I think that's, that's an added bonus. But look for this to be an offense that really plays with two on the block at times and can really go to work. I I felt really encouraged by what I saw from him the other night. It makes me feel comfortable that he's kind of settling in with these guys. And to me, I, I never really had any of those concerns about him. You know, I was I was a guy that even before, you know, some of the other guys went elsewhere, um, I, I was pretty high on Pete Nance. So I, I, I'm pretty satisfied with what I saw the other night. Yeah, I think we, we've really lamented all summer long that he's going to He's going to replace Brady's production. He's just going to look a lot differently. 
Uh, he, he he brings a lot more size, so Carolina's going to be tougher to score on inside. He adds another force on the backboard, which Carolina you know doesn't need because you got Armando Baycott, but you got two dudes like that. It's going to make it a lot easier to control the board for the entire season. He's a great passer. You're going to see him used in pick-and-roll situations or on dribble handoffs where he can utilize that. You're going to see the high-low game with him and Armando Baycott really return. That was a staple, you know, under Roy Williams. And so I thought, you know, given the opponent, given the the circumstances, couldn't ask for more. Um, I thought it was more encouraging he was willing to take five three-pointers as opposed to him missing four of them because I think that shows that, you know, he's confident enough to take those type of shots. And, you know, look, he's going to have to. There's going to be games where we're, we're going to need him to stretch the floor for us. He's got to be He's got to be confident in doing so. And he showed that the other night. Did want to mention, you know, Caleb Love, twenty points, seven to fourteen from the field. His biggest thing, his biggest thing, eight assists. So without R.J. Davis on the court, mm-hmm. he created and did some things running the offense as a more traditional point guard, which is something that you know is is a step in his game. We're hoping to see him take this year. As for Armando Baycott, big. He picked up right where he left off. Excuse Jeez, me. All right, over there, man. Uh, tw- you know, twelve points, twenty rebounds. Again, consider the opponent. So, really, the second other thing I really wanted to focus on here more than anything was the freshmen because this was their first time, and this was something Roy Williams always talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, these games are really important because it's their first time playing in front of a crowd. I know there wasn't twenty-two thousand people in the building the other night, but there were people in the stands. There were cheerleaders cheering. There were coaches coaching. Like it, it was, it, it, you know, outside of the secret scrimmage, this is the best way to simulate what you're going to get in a regular season game. And so you got to see Seth Trimble. You got to see Will Shaver. You got to see Tyler Nickel. You get, it, but you, you did not get to see Jalen Washington. And Trimble, I think, really showed us why there's the hype that there is about him entering the year. Well, first of all, here's the thing, man. When it comes to these exhibitions, I mean, you could take them as lightly as you want, but Louisville just got beat by Lenore Ron. And look, I'm not saying that Carolina was going to get beat, but yeah, there. Look, there is value. This is a game that to some of these teams that come in for exhibitions, this is a big deal for them. There's a chance for their players to play against some of the best in. The country, um, and and usually, I mean, it, it, we hear it every time that they do one of these broadcasts. You know, this is well, the head coach said this is huge because there there are guys there that feel like they got passed over. Now, for for Johnson C. Smith, that is a that is a significant step up to Carolina. There's no doubt about that. But um, I, I think you know you can't you can't underscore what these guys did. Um, this is a, a part of the process, and I thought, I thought, yeah, they looked really good. Seth Trimble, I thought, was outstanding. Um, Eleven points, but more importantly, five of six shooting. His only miss was from beyond the arc. He attacked the basket. He looked like a guy that I, you know, he looked like the guy we thought we were seeing coming in. Um, and that's that's what excites me the most about this because again, you just talked about Caleb Love. 20 points, pretty efficient, 7 of 14, pretty efficient for him at least. Um, Eight assists. He's your point guard. You're going to have, you know, you're going to have R.J. Davis or both of those guys will probably switch off as primary ball handlers. And I thought DeMarco Dunn looked really good the other night. So here's the thing. You're seeing that, hey, if Seth Trimble's great, 
Seth Trimble, Seth Trimble comes out and plays and builds upon what he did the other night, well, he's going to be out there and he's going to play. But there's not pressure on him. And I think that really showed the other night that they are not expecting this dude to come out and be an immediate superstar. No, they're you're and wanting it's working him. out so well for him. You want him to be a guy that comes in, can run your offense. He did that. Five assists and just two turnovers. Uh, apply some pressure on the ball. He did that as well. He picked up the ball at half court, which is something that Carolina hasn't been able to do for quite some time. Be an energizer, Bunner. Be a guy that, that comes in and and really sparks you know the starters that are on the court, but really be the force with the second unit that's going to be deeper. Because DeMarco Dunn, who did look a lot more comfortable the other night, scoring nine points, grabbing five rebounds, he'll be mm-hmm. coming off the bench. Same thing with Puff Johnson. Dontres Styles, and so that's why there's there's excitement about this team being deeper because you look at the you look at the roster right now, and it, it it's naturally more deeper than it was a year ago. And we thought last year's team had a chance to be really deep. Then you look at Tyler Nickel, a guy nine points, two of five from the field, all five of his shot attempts, of course, as you can imagine, behind the three point line, three or four from the foul line in his sixteen minutes on the court. That kid's going to play. Yep, because you can't leave that type of shooting on the bench. And and, and look, he he you know, Hubert Davis is one of those guys that, and he he held true to this whenever he went to the Iron Five last year. That if you don't play defense, not going to play. Mm-hmm. You make exceptions for guys who can shoot the ball the way that Tyler Nickel can, and 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 Carolina is going to need other guys to to make perimeter shots. That was the biggest thing that really hindered them in the national title game was Kansas was able to clamp down primarily on your your backcourt duo of Love and Davis. They took Brady Manick out of rhythm in the second half, and they had no other option. Well, now they got options because mm-hmm. you've got a guy like Tyler Nickel who is a that's that's what he does. He's a he's a shooter. So you know, and I think you saw it the other night to be an 18 year old freshman playing for the first time in front of fans in the Smith Center. He wasn't phased, and that shooting ability that we talked about and we heard a lot about coming out of high school, well, it's it's real, folks. Well, look, there's a reason why I took a risk on him and voted him as my ACC Rookie of the Year in the preseason polls. I I think the dude has that electric ability off the bench that, yeah, Carolina could, could really use. They want that shooter that can come off the bench and just start lighting things up. Again, we thought that was Kerwin Walton over the last couple of years, and it did not turn out to be him. So now this is the guy that looks the part. Mm-hmm. I don't see a confidence issue with this young man. He's coming in ready to go. So I think you're you're seeing a guy that Carolina fans should be very, very excited about. And again, it goes back to the, the other depth around him too. Is This is another guy that, look, we don't need you to be the seventh guy on this team. The eighth guy. Dude, there are going to be potentially eight or nine guys ahead of you that will in terms of minutes. But you can be that guy that can come in, knock down a couple of clutch three pointers, and get the offense back in rhythm if it's struggling, keep things going if a guy, you know, gets into foul trouble, whatever. Now the one thing with with both of those guys, both of the freshmen that we talked about here at length, both guys with three fouls. So, you know, the thing is, got to be a little bit smarter now. I mean, Seth Trimble played 29 minutes in the game. Tyler Nickel, they had those in 16. So you want to see those guys be just a little bit smarter with how they play defensively. But I think, you know, look, you're 
you got guys that are already playing with tons of defensive effort too. I really think that these are two guys that we are going to be talking about a lot in terms of their role on the team. Um, I'll be interested to see. I think early in the season, they'll definitely get some run. They'll have their chance to prove themselves. And if it's anything like what we saw the other night, I think these guys will have some sort of role even as we get into you know some of the you know PK85 tournament into that tough stretch that we talked about to close out the non-conference season and even potentially into conference play. Yeah, no doubt. I definitely think, especially in November and December, they're going to be given an ample opportunity to earn a spot in the rotation for the Tar Heels once they start ACC play. My favorite part of the scrimmage the other night or the exhibition wasn't the fact that Carolina shot 50%. I love that. It wasn't the fact that they only turned the ball over 10 times or you know won the rebounding battle 63 to 26 or outscored them in the off the bench 37 to 14 or in the paint 46 to 12. None of that. Got anything got any other stats? It wasn't even anything a player did. It was what the head coach did. And that was a simple message in the first half where Carolina scored a bucket. I believe the score was 30, 37 to 16 or 34 to 16. And they didn't get back on defense and they gave up a transition three pointer mm-hmm. in a game that didn't count, in a game that, for all intents and purposes, was already over. Hubert Davis called a timeout and got into his team about, hey, you got to run back and play defense. And a lot of talk that we, what you're going to hear during the start of the season, is what is Carolina's mentality like going from being the hunter to the hunted? That's probably the biggest question is, is this team mentally ready for for that type of pressure? Their head coach is. And I think that was very clear was that, hey, you can't take a playoff. You can't take a possession off. And, and you know, I talked about this a lot during that 2017 team when I really started to buy in that they could win – a national championship because going into that year, I didn't think they had a national title roster. You lost your two best leaders the program had seen under Roy Williams. You lost Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson. You know, you had a lot to replace. But that team from the the season opener all the way through the final, they played with a level of desperation that when you combine that with the talent that you have, you're a tough team to beat. And it's really hard to ask a team to play desperate for 40 times, but I want the team to play motivated. And I think that that was probably what the head coach was getting to him was that, look, it doesn't matter who you're playing, where you're playing, you know, this, that, or the third. you got to be ready to play because those types of things, they, they, you know, that's why you fell short the other night or, or earlier this summer was because you didn't run back that one time. You didn't run the court that one time. And so all these questions about is Schubert Davis – is he the right guy to 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 lead them back on this journey because he's never done it before? I think he's. I think I think by that one little token, I think that answer is yes. Yeah, that's a terrible question. But what I think it goes into is you talk about a guy. You know, when Hubert Davis came in, he's a guy that said, "I'm going to pull from every coach that I've been coached by," um, and he, you know, some of it is going to come back to my own experiences. Well, first, I think he's pulling from all of the other guys in terms of, especially you know, holding up the Carolina standard no matter what. 
um, you know, from from Dean Smith, Roy Williams. There was a standard that you had about the program of, hey, man, we're going to play a certain way. We're going to play hard every night. That is the expectation of you. We're not taking nights off, and it doesn't matter who we're playing. It doesn't matter if we're playing an exhibition against Johnson C. Smith. It doesn't matter if we're playing, you know, a pickup game against the local nuns from the church down the street. You're going to bring the intensity no matter what. The other thing is, I think when you look at the experiences that Hubert had as an assistant, seeing what it was like to, you know, be you know, be a part of some of those teams in the mid to late 2010s. You know, there were times where Carolina was the hunted. There were times where Carolina was the hunty. He's been, you know, he he's had experiences with both. So I think for him to be able to deal with those and, you know, sort of channel that into what he's doing now as a head coach, you're you're seeing that pay off. He knows what it's like to be on both ends of that spectrum. And the other thing to me that I think is just the stupidest thing, I think that narrative of the hunt, the hunties to the hunted is the dumbest thing in the world. You are North Carolina. It does not matter what seed you are. If you are in the NCAA tournament, you are being hunted. People hate you. I mean, we hear it all the time, man. There are plenty of people that hate Carolina. They, they, nobody ever feels sorry for Carolina. And you know, once you got to the Final Four, I mean, were they were they hunting some? I mean, you played a you played arguably the biggest game in college basketball history against. Duke and Coach K in what was ultimately his final game. I don't I don't understand the mindset of Carolina the, the, some people thinking that Carolina will not be ready for this. I don't think they have to worry at all about being the hunted because look man, when you're a Carolina, there's always a target on your back no matter which basketball gym you are playing in night in and night out. I couldn't have said it better myself with that. Let's take a quick break. We'll get you this week's ad from DraftKings, and then we come back. Let's dive in and preview this front court as we get you ready for the 2022-23 college basketball season. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off this season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app now, opt-in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA, whether it's the local Charlotte Hornets or my beloved New York Knicks. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. 
Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of those great offers I've been giving you on the Four Corners side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. And look, Carolina, they, they enter the year the number one team in the country, the favorite to win the ACC. A big reason why is because they boast that one of, if not the best front courts in college basketball. Headlined by two starters returning in Leaky Black and Armando Baycott, who who's coming off a historic season a year ago. They lose Brady Manick, but they add in transfer uh, Pete Nance from Northwestern, a guy we'll talk about a little bit more here coming up. And then there's now depth up in the front court as well. Puff Johnson, he's back. So is Dontrez Styles. You could maybe consider Tyler Nickel a front court player for our purposes. We're going to talk about him more in the backcourt because of what he's going to do from a scoring standpoint. And then... You add in the freshman Jalen Washington, who's who's still coming back from injury, and Will Shaver, a guy that uh, you know who who came in as a redshirt back in January. He'll now be uh, available to play as a redshirt freshman for Carolina this season. Let's talk about first Pete Nance, a guy we touched on a little bit earlier in the show, and, and I'm, I'm going to play a sound here. From Brennan Marks, who joined me uh, last time on the episode. If you haven't, go go ahead, go back and check that episode out. Here's what Brennan Marks had to say about our turn or our expectations for Pete Nance as he takes over for the now departed Brady Manick. The things with Pete that I think are, are you know really interesting is he's a better all around player. Defensively, he has experience playing the five, so. When Armando and he has better size than Brady Manick did, so when Armando goes out for a couple of minutes. He can slide up to the five and be a serviceable filler. Um, you know, he's a guy who I think is a better passer than Brady. So I think you're going to see UNC do more dribble handoff stuff than they did offensively last year. I think you're going to see him used as a creator in that way. Um, you know, defensively, he provides rim protection, which, you know, Brady just frankly really didn't. Um, so I think, you know, Pete is going to be a valuable cog. He is not going to be a star. I think Brady last year, especially late in the year, sort of became the focal point of this offense, um, and, and that's just not going to be the case this season. I think that's something that, you know, we, and I, I, I'm, I'm saying we as podcast hosts, we as guys who work in the media, and we as guys that cover the team and are just overall fans of the team, There, there's a lot of things that we were going to miss that Brady Manick did for this team a year ago. He was maybe that emotional vocal leader for this team in the in the run to the national title game. He was the guy who said bang, bang, and dropped the EMF after he hit one of his big threes against Duke in the Final Four run. He had the crazy hair and a crazy beard, something we're not used to seeing here uh, at, at Carolina. But when you break down their games and what they can do and what they can't do, Pete Nance is a more complete, is a more complete player than Brady Manick was. Brady Manick fit really well, and Hubert Davis learned how to and really figured out the best way to use him. But he was limited in what he could do as a rebounder, as a passer, as a defender. And so I think that's something, while Pete Nance wasn't the first guy I wanted Carolina to go after in the transfer portal, there was two guys from Texas Tech I was very interested in, another guy from Baylor as well. This was as good another option as you can get. And while he may not be as splashy or as sexy as Manic was, He's going to do a lot of big time, big time things for Carolina, 
And if Carolina wants to get back to the Final Four, win the national championship, they're going to need Pete Nance to be a big part of them doing just that. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And, yeah, I mean, in terms of what he brings to the table, yeah, he probably is a more complete player because, as I mentioned, he's a guy that's going to be able to play inside for you. He's also going to be a guy that can extend it out to the perimeter. Uh, Every single year that he was at Northwestern, uh, he got better as a three-point shooter. And it was not just incremental improvements. They were significant jumps every single year. So uh, I, I think, you know, again, I, I said it earlier, I think that it's going to be, you're going to see a lot more two men on the block. You're going to see uh, an offense that's going to sort of resemble a little bit of what we saw when Roy Williams was here. Um, but at the same time, I, I still think that you're going to have that element of being able to stretch the floor, which is ultimately what Hubert Davis wants. This offense, I think, is going to be fine with him in there. You also have to remember with him, you know, similar to Brady Manick, but I think even more so in his case, he was the guy at Northwestern. He pretty much had to carry that team. And if he didn't, they were not even coming close to winning games because... Let's just be honest, Northwestern's not that great of a basketball program. So for him now to be a part of a team that is you know, competing for a national championship, that has four starters coming back around him, it, it's, it's going to take the pressure off of him. He doesn't have to be a guy that comes in and averages even what he averaged at Northwestern. He's a guy that just has to come in and be able to contribute to you offensively and really fit with what this team wants to do. Uh, and I, I think he more than does that. Um, the thing with the, the one thing with him, I mean, if you look, if you watch the other night, I mean, six rebounds. You'd probably like to see him a little more aggressive on the glass, but. I mean, look, Armando Baycott's a guy that's going to get a ton of those rebounds. It's going to be hard for Nance, I think, to really pile up in some of those areas when Armando is on the court. But I think that if you go back and look at what he did at Northwestern, he's a more capable rebounder than Brady Manick. Brady Manick was the definition of a stretch four. Pete Nance is a guy that can be a stretch four, but I think really fits as a more traditional four. So that that's the one real change that Carolina fans, I think, are going to notice. Yeah, I mean, he adds something that, that Manic didn't a year ago, which is position flexibility. So if, if Jalen Washington and Will Shaver aren't ready to be big-time players, well, you can move. You can move Pete Nance to the five and not and not you know sacrifice from a height and length standpoint from you know a defensive or or, or, or a rebounding focus and look he he's going to put the ball in the basket it's going to be uh, it's going to be something a little bit different uh, from Brady Manick from three point shooting and, and stuff like that but he's going to be a impactful player for this team this year let's move on now to Armando Baycott a guy that. Um, had a historic season a year ago. He ended the season in, you know, in historic fashion, recording six double-doubles in every NCAA tournament game, the first player to do that in tournament history. And uh, I asked Brendan Marks about, was there any way that he could improve off his historic season a year ago? Here's what Brendan Marks had to say. I think consistency-wise, you know, I think there were still games last season where Armando offensively was not as on point as he needed to be. You know, I think there were games where, 
you know, he would still miss the bunnies. There were games when he would still miss the easy layups. And, you know, frankly, as, as he told us during ACC media day, midway through last season, basically around February, when, when everything started to turn, Hubert Davis sort of scrapped the Carolina break and was like, listen, we're not getting a whole lot out of this. And that had been Armando's bread and butter. And in real time, he had to learn how to play in more of a four out one in system where there was a lot more ball screen action. And he, he just frankly wasn't getting the ball as often or in the same spots that he had been, you know, the first two and a half years of his career. So I think for him, it's continued growth within the system. Uh, it's learning how to roll better. It's learning how to finish at the rim better. You know, I do think there are probably going to be a couple, hopefully not too many, but a couple opportunities for him to, you know, show his perimeter shot, to show that he can hit a 15-foot jumper from the elbow. I asked that question because I wanted to have someone else nitpick and, and have something to critique about a guy who put together one of the best individual seasons uh, we've yeah. seen in, in Carolina. I see what it is. Uh, you wanted somebody to make you not well because people like get the mad whenever guy. when I'm critical. So I figured I'd let someone else be critical. But he's right. You know, the, the only thing he can really improve on is being more consistent, really, when it comes to scoring the basketball. Because he's going to rebound. This guy's going to average 12, 13, 14. I wouldn't rule 15 rebounds out of out of, out of of question here for him th- this upcoming year. But we need him, and Carolina needs him, to finish more efficiently around the rim and make some of those shots where you get fouled and you're going to the line for two, make a man once. And it's, it's, it's small things you're asking him to get better at, but you know what? The small things are what stood in the way of this team winning a national championship a year ago. You finish some of those plays where you got fouled on, maybe it's a different result. And I think it's something he's gotten more conscious of where he's more you know, inviting to the contact and being stronger with the ball when he's going to finish through said contact. But, you know, like from, a, you know, from an NBA standpoint, does he need to develop an 18-foot jump shot? Yes. Does he need to develop a perimeter game if he wants to go pro? Absolutely. But I don't think he came back. I mean, I think he came back to better position himself to go pro. But I think he ultimately came back to win a national championship and leave a long-lasting legacy of basketball excellence here at Carolina. And so it's minor things, but those are probably the two things I'd point out and say, you know, finishing at the rim and being able to, you know, hit a mid-range jump shot every now and again is the only two ways he can improve off what was a historic junior season a year ago. Yeah, no, I mean, we we said that when we talked about him, you know, earlier this summer. Is that those are the areas that he's probably got to improve on? Um, you know, the 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 eighteen foot jump shot. I think that's something that he's probably worked on, but I I wouldn't expect to see a ton of it. I, I don't think, especially you know, w- w- maybe you see it early in the season. But again, if it's not falling, kind of like last year, I think you'll see him kind of go back to what has been working all this time. And I think, look, that makes sense. He's he's a guy that you know is is most dominant when he's on the block. Um, in terms of like if he's worried about his NBA career, I don't really think so because if he was, I think he would have went through the draft process again. Um, he didn't. He decided to just go ahead and and announce that he was coming back uh, early on. So I think this is a guy that really is focused on one goal, which is to win a national championship. Um, he felt like you know he was close last year. Uh, he you know hates what happened late in the game as well. 
So yeah, I, 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 you know, it's it's really you know, can he can he extend his range a little bit? And then yeah, finishing at the rim is something that we talked about with him, you know, on and off the last few years. There have been times where you know it looks like he you know gets fouled and and just can't finish where it looks like he should be able to. That's really the only area that you would like to see him improve, and maybe a little bit at the free throw line. Maybe the efficiency at the free throw line could improve just a little bit for him. But I think it's it's. Again, it is nitpicking one of the best players in the country. I, I mean, I told you, you know, when we were talking about the All ACC preseason uh, recognition, um, you know, everything being released. I told you exactly what I thought, which was that, hey, man, this dude, it's it's him and Oscar Shibway. I don't think there's anybody else throughout the country that has a case right now to be the Player of the Year. These two guys are very clearly the top two. And if Armando can improve in those areas, to me, I don't see any way that he would not be the national player of the year because I don't think that overall Shibwe is as talented as he is. Let's move on now. I mentioned that you've got Puff Johnson and Dontress Styles back coming off the bench. They were the main two guys that came off the bench for Carolina during the run. Uh, last year, and, and so I think we got to figure out what what is reasonable to expect from them. Because I think, I think for Dontrez, it's you know how big is that leap from the freshman to sophomore year. His body is is built. Like if if, if he was forced to be a starter this year, I think from a physical standpoint, he is ready to 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 be a physical player night in night out in this league. On the other end, Puff Johnson's body isn't. It's been his biggest issue since he got to Carolina was that his body can only go go through so much. But I do feel like Carolina is going to need them again. I think you're going to need Puff's length defensively and his, his ability to come off and be the rebounder off the bench that you can count on and say whenever he's in the game, we know he can go in there and give us five or six rebounds. And I think for Dontrez Styles, you saw him at times. You, you go back and you watch, you know, the, the the overtime session at Baylor or against Baylor. He was the guy that was the who came off the bench and was ready to score. And he, I mean, that three against Baylor was as tough a shot I've seen a freshman make in college basketball in quite some time. And so I think that's what he's going to have to be. Is he's going to have to be a guy that whenever he comes off the bench, kind of like what Tribble's going to be in the backcourt the guy that provides scoring, and another ball handler because, as Brendan Marks said in his uh, his interview you know, with me on the last session of the show, Caleb Love and R.J. Davis played the most minutes since Kenny Smith did in 1986-87. So it had been, you're talking about 77, uh, you're talking about 35, 36 years, and you had two guys doing that. That can't happen this year. Like that's why they were worn down against Kansas, mm-hmm. and I, th- I think from a physical standpoint, he can run the offense. But make make no mistake, Carolina needs both of those guys to build off of what they did, and they did a really good job. I thought improving as the season went along, despite their minutes being in flux. Yeah, no, I, I thought you know, especially towards the end of the season with Puff Johnson, you saw a guy that sort of became what we thought he could become. He found a shooting stroke. He was a guy that was aggressive on the glass, and he's, you know, a really good defender for a stretch four. Um, He can guard on the perimeter, and that was something that, you know, was a little bit of a concern for a time 
with Brady Manick. And he helped sort of, you know, figure some things out in the middle of the season um, once he got back fully healthy and ultimately became a part of what Carolina did down the stretch and, of course, came in in the national title game and was able to nearly find a way to give them enough to win that game. So uh, you're you're looking for him, especially if we're going to see Pete Nance play more inside. Puff Johnson's going to be your guy that's going to stretch the floor from time to time. He's going to be the guy that's going to come in and sort of change up what teams are seeing uh, from when Pete Nance is on the floor. In terms of Dontrez Styles, you know, he's interesting because he's sort of a flexible guy. They're going to probably use him at the three and the four. Um, so, you know, a little bit less size than Puff Johnson. But here's the thing with him. The other night, I was really impressed with him on the glass. He had 10 rebounds in the exhibition against Johnson C. Smith. Uh, him and Armando Baycott, the only two players in double digits. So, he, he looked really good the other night rebounding the basketball. I think he's a guy that's going to be really aggressive. And that's the thing. Even if you've got, you're going to play a smaller lineup, if you have guys that are committed to rebounding the basketball, you can still be very good on the glass, as we saw at times last year from Carolina. And we've seen at other times in the past from Carolina. So I, I think both, both of these guys, they, they, have to play big roles this season. I think these were the two guys that when we talked about depth on this team and we said what is sort of, not guaranteed, but the guys that we feel most comfortable with that will give this team more depth this season, it was these two guys. And they need to step up and show that to us starting early in the season. I think the last thing is that, you know, we've talked about there's now depth here because you've got two starters back, you added a transfer, your number two reserves are back, and then you you got two incoming freshmen. And what does this all mean for, for Carolina? Well, I mean, naturally they're deeper. And, and that was something that really hindered them. And I thought, you know, I thought it was honest that, that, that Hubert Davis admitted that, that he thought his team did get tired. It was only twice where he thought they were, but some coaches – in the college game, in the NBA game, they always claim they're tired. But in college basketball, coaches never want to admit that their teams are tired, and Carolina was, and rightfully so. I, I think the biggest way it, it impacts them is defensively because you can you can do a lot more things with the way you, you trap ball screens. You know, with the way the game's officiated now, you can't really double-team and stuff because you, you couldn't – like last year you couldn't risk – foul trouble mm-hmm. and I'm not saying I want us out here risking because I want Armando Baycott on the bench but you've got other options right now it does appear to where if you want to be more aggressive defensively and do some things on that end of the court because you've got size and length with the multiple with the multitude of different guys I do think that is an option that it just simply wasn't a year ago and I think that's going to be the thing I think Hubert Davis last year knew going in that he had at most three people in the front court, and that third person was Dawson Garcia, a guy who would temporarily leave the team and then transfer away. You know, after the season came to an end, and I think now he's got to figure out. Okay, I've got, you know, at, at right now seven guys at my disposal. I'm not going to be able to use all seven, but how do I find the right three or four guys to use, and where to use them, and how to use them? So I think his work's cut out for him. Um, but but I do think it just it, you know it leads to it, and when you look at Carolina's teams that have won national titles in the past, 
front court depth was a big part of that. They didn't have it a year ago. They have it this time, and it's going to be a big reason why if this team does get back to to the Final Four, which is in Houston, they get back to Monday night. They'll need all seven of those guys at one point or another throughout the season. Let's just transition really quick here to closing notes. Just one, and that was a note about the scrimmage um, or the exhibition where Carolina honored their 1997 and 98 Final Four teams. There's a great piece about those teams being back in Chapel Hill by uh, Go Heels writer Adam Lucas. So if you want to go back and check that out, for all you older Tar Heel fans who were seeing some familiar faces in the Smith Center, um, you can go check that out over there at Go Heels. And when you're not at Go Heels, we do encourage you guys to visit our website, HeelToughBlog.com, where we're, we're taking you through the football season as Carolina is now 7-1. and one. They've got a ACC berth in the or an ACC title berth in their sights. We'll be taking you all the way through that through the end of the season, starting this weekend uh, with Virginia. There'll be a preview up, then a recap, Ashens analysis, trench report, and stock report as Carolina does close in on their first ACC title game berth since 2015. As for basketball, we're going to be getting you ready. We're we're, we're locked in. And loaded. Ashton is continuing his profiles of the core four who are back this year for another run at a national championship. And before you know it, we'll be getting you ready for next weekend's opener or next or next Monday's opener against UNC Wilmington. Find all that great coverage, HeelToughBlog.com. And as for the podcast, you guys know where to find us. We're on every major uh, podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We do encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast wherever you do download it. But most importantly, hit that subscribe button. Because as I mentioned, a flurry of episodes coming out this week. Front court preview, back court preview. Josh Graham is going to join me. Marcus Ginyard is set to join me. We'll have the UNCW preview. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the basketball season. Well, with that, this is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.